welcome all who come to St. Anne's today and those who join us by way of live stream at this 11 o'clock Mass to remember that you are always united with us in bonds of prayer, in union of worship, for you who are sick and shut in our special prayers to you today. Think now about what you are praying for today. What's on your mind in your prayer? Is it for someone who's ill? Is it a family member who is estranged? For your wife, your husband, your children? Financial concerns? Are you praying for peace? Peace in your hearts? Peace on the streets of Washington? Are you afraid about a diagnosis this week from the doctor? What are you praying for? Healing? A cure? And you might be saying, I've been praying for this for so long, I'm getting tired. I don't think the Lord actually hears my prayer. The pain is not going away. The problem is not resolved. Lord, you can do all things. Why don't you hear my prayer? Why don't you answer what I want? And the tendency then is to say, well, then I don't get what I want, so therefore God doesn't care. When we grow up, of course, we ask our parents or people for things all the time. I want this, I want that. And so often we remember, no, no, no. Do you understand? when I say no. No, but I want no, no. Now, does that mean that mom and dad or people that we asked growing up when we wanted things who said no, does that mean that they were mean? That they were stingy? That they didn't care? No, I think they cared. They cared so much to say, not at this time. Now, if that's true naturally, and because it makes intelligence for parents and people in authority to always be prudent about what they give us and often say no, how much more that's the way with God? See, he says no sometimes, not because he's mean, not because he doesn't care, not because he's not concerned. In fact, so often he gives us what we didn't ask for. And then we look back on our lives and we say, okay, that's why mom and dad said no. That's why God said no. 
so that they could say yes to something else. And it taught me to trust, to trust in God. Now, so often when we don't get what we want from God, this is my experience as a priest, so many would just leave the church. I've been praying, I didn't get what I wanted, so there is no God. It's kind of a silly logic to that. But it's childish. Because it enters into an understanding of the relationship with God as a kind of contract. Okay, I put out the money, you pay me back. I pay for services and goods, you provide. That's a contract arrangement. And most religions have done that in the history of mankind. We give the gods the sacrifice and they in turn are appeased and grant us favors and blessings and power and health and economy and all the good things of life. We call those blessings. As long as I put out the goods and services, I am receiving the benefits. That's not the way it is with the God of Christianity. In fact, the more we think that we're gonna put out for God, oftentimes we don't get back and then we get frustrated and angry or we presume that God doesn't hear us or that God is condemning us or God is angry with us or God is unloving. Maybe I've done something so then I feel unworthy of God. That's a big part of spirituality. That I'm unworthy to ask. Who am I to ask? No, he says to all of us today, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened. So whatever your prayers are, whatever the burden is, and there are many, for ourselves and for others, we bring all of that to our loving divine Lord who says, I will give you rest. Thank God for Sunday. Isn't it nice just to rest a little bit for an hour and seven minutes? Once a week. As I've said, if you come to the 7.30 a.m. Mass on Sunday, you can rest for about 32 minutes. <laughs> and then the ushers in the back go like this, Father, because they have to tee off at Columbia Country Club at 8.30. <laughs> so we rest. We come to the Lord who says, I will give you rest. So it's very important that we come to church in this way. We bring our prayers, our burdens, our worries, our joys, our sorrows, and we present all of that in our heart to the Sacred Heart, whose love is immense, whose burning heart is always open in incredible compassion. It doesn't mean that he's gonna take my problems away. But he will help me to manage them, spiritually, emotionally, even physically. Because why? Take my yoke upon you, take my yoke upon you. Now what's a yoke? That farming device in which the head, two heads of oxen are 
placed into this instrument, locked, and the farmer drives them forward in the same direction. It's much more efficient, much more effective to have two than one do that work. So our Lord uses that metaphor, the yoke, to tell us that we are not doing this work alone. My burdens are not my own. No, they're his too. My worries are not my own alone. They're his too. My fears, my doubts, my joys, my sorrows, my whole life is not just mine. It's his too. He is in this yoke with me. And we are doing this side by side in the same direction. Now, that's frustrating sometimes because sometimes we want to go our direction. I don't want to go this way. I want to go that way, Lord. He says, no, no, no. You got to stay with me. Stay with me in this direction, not that. Because the oxen can't work that way. They have to work together in the same way, in the same direction. Now that calls for trust. That I can trust Jesus to be there and do this work with me, for me. And for me to do the work for him. You know, who was there on Good Friday doing anything for him except Mary and John at the foot of the cross? Everybody else left him. They abandoned him. Was anybody working that day for Jesus? No, he's left alone to die on a cross. See, if you look at this relationship now, it's no longer contract, goods and services. I do this for you, you do this for me. No, it's a covenant of love in which I trust that everything you say, Lord, is true and good for me. I don't understand all the reasons. So much of life is a mystery. Marriage is a mystery. Family life. The church is a mystery. Jesus is a mystery. Lots of mysteries in life. They have reasons. I don't know them. Just came back from anointing someone today at Georgetown Hospital. And they're doing very well, almost miraculously. And I talked to the doctor and I said, how did this happen that the person's kind of reversing so quickly and getting better. He says, I don't know, Father. This kind of beats my knowledge of what's going on. So I said, what's gonna, what are you going to put in your report today? He said, reason for the cure? Unknown. He doesn't know. He's not going to say miracle because that's a religious thing. So he's going to say, Unknown. I don't know. We don't know. But something's happening. And that's good. So to trust in the mystery of things, 
the mystery that God knows what he's doing, that he has a plan for you, and that if you simply put your head into that yoke with his and move in the same direction with him, with trust, you're going to have a better life. It may not take away all the pain and the sorrows and the problems of the day, but it helps you to manage them, knowing that you're never alone and you will never be alone, ever. Now, back to that prayer thing that we started with. If you're not getting what you want, then consider a different form of prayer, and that is no longer the prayer of need or petition, but the need that is expressed in thanksgiving. A real prayer of thanksgiving. When I count my blessings, they far outweigh the apparent curses of life, right? Friends, he's won our salvation. What do you say for that? Oh, that's great, Lord. Yeah, but I want more. What? Think about the gift of your salvation in Christ Jesus through his death and resurrection. Think about the body and blood of Christ that he gives you in this sacrament today, the most personal exchange of a God-man with any human being, this side of heaven. Oh, you start thinking about the blessings. Wow. That gratitude builds joy. You want to be joyful in life? Build your gratitude to God. Build your gratitude to your neighbor. This is how we teach our children, not always to say, I want, I want, I want, I want, but did you ever say thank you? In the gospel, so often, Jesus does all these cures, all these miracles, and very rarely does anyone say thank you. Nobody wrote him a letter that we know of to say, muchas gracias, mille gracias, merci beaucoup. He says, when he heals the 10 lepers, I healed all 10, where are they? Only one came back, where are the other nine? I mean, it must have really irked our Lord, you know? that people used him often. They disrespected him, clawing at him constantly. Lord, heal me, heal me, all that. Did anyone ever say, I love you, Lord? Only Peter, it's the only one we have in the gospel when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. He's the only one that we know of. How much do you say thank you to Jesus? Should be the first words on our lips in the morning. Thank you, Lord. 